you may not un- may not believe them by a certain way of looking at life. Yeah. So the frame, let's say, in, in most in most people's cases, is self-centeredness. So there's that frame, and that frame is defining how we see things. Yeah. All the different things are referred back to the frame. So the frame is the biggest influence in the scene, not what's being seen or the feeling of the of who's seeing it. It's the frame of the self-centeredness. Yeah. So these statements, in a way, like what's looking or what you're looking for, are they're introduced inside the frame, but they question the frame. Yeah. You drop them inside the frame. They're words, so there's an understanding that can be had, but the understanding questions the frame. Yeah. So instead of like trying to acquire a new understanding about self, you you acquire an understanding of, or you question the sense of self. It's much different, yeah. So the self isn't acquiring knowledge, which in recovery they say self knowledge will avail you nothing. It won't lead you to freedom from self. The more you know about self, isn't going to lead you to freedom from self, yeah? Because self can't get out of self. So the whole question is, is are you that self that you're trying so hard to get out of? If you're not that self that you're trying hard to get out of, that's the relief. Yeah? Because then you're not in what you think you're in, which is demanding a drive to get out of. Yeah? See, to try to find refined ways to get out, how, how does that work for you? I mean, you, you've come to a lot of refined ways to get out of self. Buddhism, this and that, Kabbalah, shamanism, take some ayahuasca, do all this stuff, dancing, get around a fire, you know, purify yourself in freezing cold water, and then, you know, fornicate with three people, whatever it may be. There's all these ways of trying to get out of self, but they all seem very temporary. Yeah, you may have an experience of being out of self, but who's having that experience of being out of self? It's still framed by self. Yeah. So this is a question, are you in self? If you're not in self, then there's no need to get out of self. That's being out of self. Once that drive, that, that constructed, that reinforced, that produced drive to get out of self is finally questioned at its inception, which is, are you in self? Yeah? If you're not in self then the whole, all the strategies, not just one strategy to get out of self, all the strategies of getting out of self are seen as a form of being in self. Yeah? Because all the getting out of self, all the while you're hoping to get out, you may be having a few experiences of being out, you really believe you one day will be out, yeah? But what's being reaffirmed is that you're in all day. So while you're studying how to get out of self, you're in the state of being, quote-unquote, in self. You know what I mean? So, the more time, the, as time goes by, you're spending a lot more time in the experience of being in self while you're pursuing to get out of self. So, you can see the pursuit to get out of self is just another form of being in self. Because it's, it's actually succeeding, isn't it? You have a drive to get out of yourself, but you're trying to get out of self as a self. Yeah? <laughs> in other words, you have that delusion that I'm going to be there, I'm going to have an experience of my own absence, you know. I'm going to reach a state, the, fo- the made-up state is going to reach a state that is going to be freed from the made-up state. <laughs> you don't see the insane logic of that? How is a made-up state 
going to arrive at a state that's freed from the made-up state. <laughs> the whole thing that drives that movement is that you're a real state. That's the incessant little bump, speed bump on our road here. There's always this stubborn belief that we are real. Yeah. So we believe if we could get un- out of this unreality, then we'd really be real. Yeah? But we're being imposed upon by this unreality. Ramana Maharshi described it really well. He said he was an old master from India. <clears throat> he says, "All right, there's pe- people. This is a lot of people have this you know realization. They realize, let's say they're in this movie theater, and they realize the movie is not real. Yeah, they realize it. They say this place is not real. This and that. But they're sitting in the theater thinking they're real. You know, observing that the movie's not real. Yeah, but they're still claiming they're real. Yeah." He says, no, 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 no. He says, the circle's much bigger. You sitting in the theater, seeing everything as unreal, but thinking you're real is the unreality also. Yeah? In other words, that sense of you can't see the unreality, yeah, from reality. It is the reality, what you really are. The sense of self is in, quote, unquote, the unreality is never going to find a high enough perch to be able to get a real good view of the unreality because it's like the mobile unit of the unreality. (laughs) It's the one that wherever it is, there it is. (laughs) The camera is never going to get behind the camera. It's the camera. It's a conductor of light. It is not the emitter of light. It's the conductor of it. Light's happening, so that light is prior to the camera. The camera doesn't produce light. The, pr- the camera conducts light in a certain way where light becomes differentiated, so you see things as things. You see things, yeah? Now, if you go back, then there's all there is is light, which is undifferentiated. This is sort of the transfer point, yeah? This, this apparatus, this mind, as it is, the consciousness that's available allows undifferentiated light to be seen as different things. Yeah? But, and so here we are, sitting in the theater, and we see all the different things, and we realize all that's light, but we're thinking we're real. Yeah? As a thing. We exclude the one little part that needs to be included in the content, so that the context can become really obvious. All it takes is one little part of the content, taking itself to be the context, and then you're totally in the content. Yeah? So everyone said, all right, there's a great axiom by Course in Miracles, says, lesson number two in the lessons there. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. All right, so you can get that also. You can look at a room and say, just look at a chair before you have an idea that it's a chair. Yeah, just look around the room. And you'll see that it doesn't have any meaning. It has it's, it, it's been, it gets it gets a meaning from the mind seeing it. Yeah, as soon as the mind sees yeah. supposedly it, then the conditional mind says that's a chair. But there is a gap where there's just the scene. So you look it around and you get a sense of the scene, and then the interpretation of oh, that's a wall, that's Mitch, that's Deb, that's the chair. That's what happens. Yeah, but there is a gap. There is a pause before that occurs. If you do the lesson, it'll probably hit you like that. You'll just look around the room and you'll see, wow, I saw before it became the thing I was seeing. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. 
So, <clears throat> you and I give everything all the meaning it has. Now, you and I, in my feeling, isn't Mitch and Paul. Let's say you and I is that spirit, really. That So that is giving everything all the meaning it has as it moves through this. It's the mind's giving this a meaning. Yeah? This meaning isn't solid and real. We take it to be authentically me. That's a meaning that's been given. So if that gets missed and you, you see everything else has been given a meaning, but you don't see that this has been given a meaning, you miss the whole boat. It's like... It's like they say, one, one thought is worth 10,000 years, or one little difference, or one little preference is the difference between heaven and earth. This one little miscalibration, you miss the whole picture. Yeah, because you're included in what's been given a meaning. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you aren't the one that's giving everything the meaning. This facilitates the mind to give meaning, and this has been given a huge meaning. I think it's been given the biggest meaning the mind can give, which is it's you. Yeah, It's bigger than God. Because you obviously, when it comes to your relationship with God, it's all about you, isn't it? <laughs> you know, God doesn't tell you how you're doing. You tell yourself how you're doing concerning God. I would say that's playing God. <laughs> so the biggest meaning of all is, is you. And then from there... That meaning frames the self-centeredness, that's the frame, and then all other meanings are dependent or rely on that frame of self-centeredness. So now, everything you see pertains to you. Yeah? That's a huge meaning. A huge meaning of life is happening, and then how the mind does it is life is happening to me. That's a huge freaking difference in how to live here. Life is happening promotes a lot a lot more traveling later. Life is happening to me is huge. It's so fucking heavy. Yeah? I mean, that's where you start thinking, well, if there was a God, why are people getting killed? This is, you're trying to think of something that can't be thought about from your little failed thought system. You're going to get really skewered ideas about God or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? How could God do this to me? <laughs> Like it's a personal vendetta. That life is like life has has forgotten everyone else and is just thinking of just putting its attention on you. You don't see that as self-centeredness? <laughs> that you have that huge a role, that this God of the whole all the universes of all the universe is taking some time out to fuck with you? <laughs> you know? Come on. Give me a freaking break. <laughs> Like, really, talk about the arrogance of self-centeredness. And then the self is so arrogant, it says, you know, if I wasn't here, everything would be so fucking great in your life. (laughs) So it says, even by my absence, it's a huge value. I'm the curse of all your curses. It's a self. Kill it. Extinguish it. It loves that. It loves all that attention. It's just in self-forgetting, like St. Francis says, that's when things change. How can you forget about self as a self? If you're identified as a self, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, how is that self, even when it's trying to forget self, it's remembering itself? Yeah? So self cannot get out of self. So the question is, in recovery they say, hey, you are the problem. You don't have problems, you are the problem. How could that be? And if it's true, then where would there be a solution to that? If you are the problem, how is that going to be solved? 
It's different. It's easier to solve if you had problems, because then there's a possibility that you may not have problems. But if you are the problem, hey, man, there's not much wiggle room there. The great solution is you are the problem when the mind believes it's identified as a self. The solution is when it recognizes it's not. So the problem only seems real when there's the sense of self already in place. When the solution appears that there is no self, as you take it to be, then you see that the problem was imaginary. If the problem is imaginary, there's actually no need for a solution. So you can't even forget the solution, because it's only temporal that there's a need for the solution. There's a need for a solution as long as the mind's taking the problem to be real. When the solution really dawns on you, you see the problem as imaginary, then the solution gets thrown away too. That's a fucking living solution. Because this place is problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. One solution begets other problems, another solution takes care of that problem, and more problems gets begotten. How do you how do you cut off that train of selfing? Yeah? It's like Ramana said, you got a thorn in your foot. It's bothering you when you walk. So here you are alive, and you have a thorn in the way you're living. So every moment you're alive, it's bothering the way you're living. He says, okay, find another thorn. And then to use that thorn to take out the first thorn. So let's say in alcoholism we have an extreme case of self-centeredness. So that's the thorn in our living. While we're living, the way we look at life is very claustrophobic. We see threats where there aren't any. We're quite anxious about what's not happening. We're not in a very good, peaceful state. Yeah? So we're looking for something to get that thorn out. We've tried like Dr. Scholl's put powder to make it softer. We've done, you know, got lifts on our shoes so we don't feel it so much. We've tried all these little mechanisms, but they don't really fucking work. The thorn is still there. So we get another thorn. Okay? We dig that thorn out with the first thorn. We don't replace the first thorn with the second thorn. So this is what I'm talking about. There's a problem. There's a thorn. Yeah? The solution is another thorn. Once the solution is used to take the problem out, you throw both of them away. Yeah? Because now you're in an inherent state that could never have been a problem, therefore it doesn't demand a solution. Yeah? It's an uncaused state that has never been what you thought it was, therefore it doesn't need a solution to what you thought it was. The solution was temporary as long as it was a real strong belief that the problem was real. That's that's the value of this solution. Because then you walk away with it and you don't have anything to carry with you. You don't need an understanding, basically. You don't need a damn fucking thing. Because the problem has been solved by seeing it as imaginary. Just like an AA says, you'll get to a point of relief that the problem will not exist for you. It It will be as if it never existed for you. If it never existed for you, then would you need a solution to it? Obviously not. So now you're not looking at AA as a solution, you're looking at it as a form of expression. It's a way of life. You enjoy the meetings, you're not going there because you're being driven crazy by a desire to drink. You're going there because you enjoy it. It's a whole different process. Or maybe you can even say, oh, you go there to see what you can add. But after a while, you're just going there because you're going there. There's nothing, no big deal happening. Yeah? There's no one that has to be saved, and you're not the, the appointed savior to them. It's just very relaxed. Yeah? It's a whole different ballgame. You'll let people have their bottoms, you won't rush up to try to save them when it would actually be a disservice to them. 
you say, like someone's there last night, he really wants to get loaded, go get loaded, you know, here's five bucks, you know, yeah, I'll buy your first drink for you. This is cool. That would be the best teacher, trying to conjole them, oh, stay, it's going to get really bad. If you're hell-bent on getting fucked, go ahead. You know, it's a better teacher than any one of us yapping at him. Now, years earlier, I would not, I'd, fuck, I'd be on that guy like white on rice. No, no, come home with me. Do this and that. I said, hey, listen, hey, if that's what you want, go ahead. You know, because the whole point in recovery is to be convinced, in a sense. You've got to be hit a point where you're convinced, where there's a desire or a willingness to want to be sober more than get loaded. It's, it's that simple. The calibration just shifts and then there's a new ball game. And then it doesn't mean like you need 24-hour help. Yeah, now you start finding your help by helping others, and all this, this is how it works. Yeah? So here, this statement, what's looking is what you're looking for. He's not saying who's looking. Yeah? Yeah? It's a big difference. It doesn't say who's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah? The who's looking is the sense of you looking for. That's the who's that's looking. Yeah, That's when what's looking has been co-opted by the mental process of selfing and has turned into a who or a you that's looking for. Because basically all day, since you left your mother's teeth, you've been looking for stuff. Yeah? We've been in a drive of seeking constantly. Even if you don't know it, even if you're really sophisticated and you look really good while you're seeking, they're still seeking. There's always looking for the next sort of pleasure or comfort for the mind or the body or whatever. Yes? So, who's looking is not the statement. What's looking? So, what's looking obviously can't be of a thing in a sense, can it? It's not a who. It's not a personal pronoun. It's not even a noun. So, what's looking is what. Yes? So, there's what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah? So there must be a confusion about what's looking for this, this sense of you to be driven to look for. Because he's trying to save you a huge amount of time. Because yeah? you can take all these paths to finally get back to what's looking, but he's trying to save you time. Hey, while you're looking for right now, that's what's looking. That exact looking for that you're calling it's you that's looking for, but just the looking for has what's looking in it. In other words, every looking for is what's looking, disguised with this idea of you looking for. So the you is the disguise of the what, yeah? So the what's looking is awareness, if you want to call it that, spirit, consciousness, but that that onness that is the aspect of perceiving, yeah, or the awareness of the perceiving and what's perceived. So every experience in this old Buddhist text says it. There's two aspects. There's the there's the aspect of perceiving, and there's what's the aspect of what's perceived. Yeah. So there has to be something that's perceived, and the perceiving of it for an experience to occur. So when a feeling occurs, yeah, yeah, the feeling must be perceived by a perceiving. Yeah. So now there's another Zen master, Zen Hawaiian Po, says whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. So. Whatever can be perceived, yeah, can't be what's perceiving. So we're taking something that can be perceived, a body, the brain can be taken out of this head and be perceived, yeah. We're taking a thing, an object of perception to be the perceiving. 
It's a small mistake, but given a lot of time and space, it can manifest into a huge nightmare, <laughs> which it seems to have done pretty well. <laughs> I mean, let's say it started every week, right on the at 12 o'clock a.m. Sunday. By Friday, you'd be in hell, wouldn't you? It would be just so unbelievable. You had like a day off, which would be great. Saturday, blissfully just... Uh, and then Sunday, you're kicking again. You know, and just use the next time and space of six days, and then by Saturday you'd be pulled fucking, you'd be so fucking insane, you know. <laughs> so there's the perceiving aspect, yeah, which is consciousness. There's the perceived aspect, which is the thing that's being perceived, and then there's the awareness of all that, which is to me the field of constancy. Yeah, there is awareness of conscious contact. You can become aware that there is, you are aware, you are that awareness, so when conscious contact is occurring, you can become aware of that. You're not actually the conscious contact, that's happening here, yeah? But you are the awareness of it. And the awareness isn't brought about by, like it says in, if this goes too far, just tell me about it. In another Zen statement, it says, there is an object because of subject, and then the subject is there because of the object. So that's the description of conscious contact. For conscious contact to occur, there's got to be the perceiving aspect, which is the consciousness, and the perceived aspect, which is the thing, be it a thought, a feeling, whatever. Yeah? Without those two things, there isn't a moment of consciousness. So there's the perceiving aspect, which is consciousness, and then there's the perceived aspect, maybe a thought, maybe a feeling, maybe whatever. And there's a, then there's an experience of consciousness. So the consciousness arises, the sense of subjectivity arises because there's an object, and then the object arises because there's a subject, because it's the same thing. It's just one field of consciousness taking one aspect of being the perceiving, and then the other aspect being the perceived. But then under, behind that is a state of awareness. Yeah? So you become aware that you're conscious. And so what reminds you of the awareness is the constant conscious contact. That's, that's sort of how you, you re, are reminded. or it's, a, it's not even a remembering, it's, a, it's a, an ever-present re-engagement in that realization. Because as long as you're alive, there's conscious contact happening. There's a perceiving aspect and a perceived aspect occurring every moment you're alive. And so every time that gets noted, you get the sense of the awareness of that. Yeah? Because the awareness of no, is of no thing. You can't see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, but you can reflect it in the conscious contact. You can get a sense. What's aware of the conscious contact? What is that that's noting the activity of noting? Yeah? That's the awareness, let's say. So that's the what's looking. The who that's looking for is obviously what it's looking for is a perceived aspect, yeah? And the who, or the you, that's looking for is the perceiving aspect. So what's looking is what you are looking for. So every moment that there's conscious contact, that's the invitation of the awareness of the conscious contact. So the conscious contact is the invitation for the mind to be to recognize the awareness of the conscious contact, to get a sense of its own innate nature, which is that clear, empty awareness. Yeah? Not the conscious contact, because that's what's arising. Yeah? A thing arises, then there's noting of the thing. 
They're both the same energy, but there's, a, there's an experience there. Yeah? One aspect sees the other aspect that's being seen. Yeah? But there's an awareness. That's what's looking. The awareness is what's looking. It's not, it doesn't arise because there's an object to be seen, and the object doesn't arise because there's a subject. It's not in a relationship with itself. It's just an awareness of that activity. Yeah? Why, don't you think that would have a little bit of influence in your day if you were resting in that a little bit more? That which never comes or goes, that's that, that which is never triggered by an object or a perceiving aspect, that it's prior to all that, that would be where the mind could truly find rest. Where it could find rest because it would have a nothingness to constantly rest on instead of this agitated bed of perceiving and perceived all day. Yeah? So what's looking is what you are looking for. All you need to do to change that whole experience is question the you. And then it's what's looking is what's looking for. And it's very clear then. Yeah? What's looking is what's looking for. The awareness sees itself. In the, in the experience of a consciousness arising, yeah? Yeah. Well, what's that going to do to your life? Find out. Yeah. Is this a path? No, it is not a path. It illuminates whatever path you're on. <clears throat> so if you're with someone else that you really love and all the people are great, this will illuminate it. Just like when this started to occur in my head, I had been practicing AA and I had a position of sharing this one chapter every week for 19 years, well, how does it work, in a four-step uh, workshop. And then this started to dawn on me, and it, that whole chapter was totally illuminated in a, in a whole new light. Just from this shift, I saw the self so clearly as a foreign installment. I saw it as a parasitical movement of mind, a mental process through the gleaming onto consciousness, taking itself to be the awareness of everything. The biggest heist of all. The biggest fucking heist of all time. And it happens before you even notice. Because usually you're in the sense of self. That's like at square five of the heist. You know what I mean? The, the bank robbers have already left. And you just, you finally hear the alarm. You know, they've already, it's already done. The, the robbery. And then you're trying to figure out the, the crime from the product of the crime. You, you have a sense of self already in place. <laughs> self can't get out of self haven't you ever heard that in recovery check it out just you know, hear it like entertain it what does the hell does that mean alright well go to some old Zen sayings Wang Po says hey you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha you can do it for eons and nothing will happen He's not saying like a week, a week retreat, or you know, a five-year meditation practice. He said that eons and eons of practices won't work if you use the Buddha to find the Buddha. If you use the mind to seek the mind, nope. AA just says it another way: self can't get out of self. Yes. Yeah. We're not trying to seek something in recovery. We're trying to get out of something. Really, <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're the opposite of all the other things. They're trying to seek the truth. If we're trying to get out of something. But it's the same principle, but just turn it around. So, like when it says you can't use mind to get, you know, find mind, you can't use self to get out of self. We're not trying to find self. That's the last thing we want to get out of self. But we want to get out of self as a self, as a better self. 
One that's more likable and really will get what it truly wants. <laughs> I finally found the greatest strategy. I'll get all the babes. Uh, if I could just get out of self enough, I'll really be this great self. <laughs> working really hard at it. <laughs> I figure if I go get, if I take the road of non-self, I'll really arrive at, a, at a great authentic self. I need a little flavor of non-self. Because the self, I say, is too frothy. It is. It needs to be skimmed down a little. So let me practice non-self for a while. And then, you know, I'll try to take all the advantages of being a non-self and then become a super-self. Yeah. And then I obviously expect I'll get everything I've wanted. And then when that doesn't happen, shit, I'll get mad at the teacher or whatever. <laughs> Drink, whatever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if you just look at these statements, they're just there to save you time. Instead of spending, because let's say if you take a trip to Idaho, and you don't know, you have to call people to find out how to get there. The whole premise has to start as where you're at, yeah? I mean, the directions are going to be based on if you're coming from San Francisco or L.A. It'll be different directions from where you think you are, yes? So, the same thing, like, if you take, if a trip's going to take 10,000 steps, which is the most important step, the first step? Or in Buddhism, they talk about the Eightfold Noble noble Path. They they describe the the activity of the dilemma, which is desiring, you know, and producing like a malaise or a discomfort or an unease. And this, they says, well, the Eightfold Path is the way to go. What's the first part of the Eightfold Path? Right view. Then yeah. it says right livelihood, I think, right meditation, right understanding, about seven more things. But they all, they all start with the first view. And if the view is right there, then that right will migrate into right livelihood, right meditation. But I don't think you can go to number seven, let's say right livelihood, and produce the right view. The right view needs to be entertained and that will infuse all the other things you're doing. Yeah? And in Buddhism, basically, they said the right view was anatta, or non-self. That there isn't any long-lasting, independent, separate entity. There isn't any who that is looking for. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why you can't seem to get to what's looking is because there's a, that sense of you that's looking for, which is causing you to go in a direction where you'll never find where you already are. You can't take a trip back to where you are. Yeah. So we're just questioning that you, and then the what's looking will become obvious, because you will be aware of the conscious contact occurring. Yeah. You'll see all different mental states based on when there's contact and it has an aversion to that object or a desire for the object, a certain mental state will be produced, and you'll be aware of that mental state being produced. Yeah. And you'll see the whole little thing happening. And you'll see how it's all framed with this self-centeredness. And so instead of trying to change what's appearing in the frame, we question the frame. Because that's what's giving everything the meaning it has. When the frame is removed, then what you would call like still pictures of a life, like this happened yesterday and then this happened like three hours ago, you may see it more as a mural. You know, Like everything, like a constant application of of color on, on this long, unending canvas with no cut, no, this is my picture, none of that, just a long, 
unending canvas and with life, with the consciousness arising as the aspect of perceiving, and then the consciousness arising as what's being perceived, splashing color on it all day, and then the awareness of that event. Then you don't need a spiritual condition, because you are a spiritual condition. So you find, like it says in recovery, your daily reprieve from alcoholism is contingent on the maintenance of your spiritual condition. So if you were a spiritual condition, how much would you have to maintain it? Just being that would be maintenance enough, wouldn't it? What do you think expression of, what do you think manifestation is? It's the maintenance of, of the spirit, in a way. It's maintaining itself in this expression here, by manifesting, yeah? I mean, you're right at the pulse of it. You are that pulse. Yeah. You're at the pulse of living. You're at the point of being right now. You are prior to whatever arises, because you have the ability to see what arises, and you have the ability to see what has arisen departing. You are that which never goes anywhere. Yeah? There is an aspect that doesn't arise and doesn't depart. With all the arisings and the departing, there's an aspect that doesn't arise and it doesn't depart. It never began, it's never gonna end, it's not of a thingness, yeah? It's sort of, if you want to call it, it's sort of like a the the ocean water to a fish, yeah? That fish, I would imagine most fish don't even know what they're in. Yeah. They just, it's, it's their milu, and they see things in it, and that's their experience, is seeing what arises and running into them and avoiding the predators. But they probably don't really have a sense of the ocean until it's absent, like when they get caught and thrown up on a boat. Then they totally fucking flip out. <laughs> they're just like totally going bananas to get way back into that water. Yeah? But while in their water, they probably have no idea that there's water. Yeah? Well, we have the ability to know we're in the water. Now. Yeah? We don't have to wait to be thrown off and be flapping on that fucking mental uh, deck, you know? Living like, you know, totally as a mental interpretation. <laughs> Feeling so irritable, restless, and discontent, dissatisfied. And all the plans I followed that they said would translate into an ease and comfort haven't. And then, of course, self-centered is rule supreme, and you blame yourself for it. Instead of looking at all the formulas that you've been given in life and questioning them, you question, no, I know it's working for them and them and them. It's me. I'm the reason why. No, it ain't you. Yeah. So this is a sense of becoming aware through the activity of conscious contact with what is beyond. You don't have to go cross-legged and go in your, you know, immigrate to some cave. You can do it going to Trader Joe's. It's always available at all times. There is an awareness of the conscious arising and the conscious departing of an experience with things, isn't it? So once you recognize that what has arisen has been taken to be what was prior to arising, and you question that little fundamental mistake, you'll see what happens. You'll find out 
that little recalibration may make a huge difference in your life. You may notice that over time that you've been traveling a lot lighter over the terrain of your life. Yeah. It doesn't say you're going to hit, you know, find Shangri-La or get the lottery or everything's going to work out, but however it, life appears to you and as you, there'll be a traveling lighter over it. What better gift than that? No one's here promising, oh, it's going to be great in three years if you send me $50 a month. It'll be great for me, maybe, in three years if you send me $50 a month, but not probably you. We're just giving you an invitation of what's already there. It's already happening. It's happening at every moment of every time that you seem to be here. That's the invitation. What more love could be expressed than that? That where the seeming problem is occurring, the solution is there, is prior to it at all times. Whenever the problem seems to arise and try to take hold, you know, like a barnacle grabbing onto an idea, where every time the solution to that was prior, it's like a preemptive love in a way. So the mind can come out of its own little conundrum just by a simple acknowledgement of what's happening. And what's bringing that acknowledgement about? An awareness of what's happening. Yeah? And if consciousness is part of what's happening, then you could say awareness is, is, what, is the context of what's happening. So you can become aware, yeah, through the conscious contact of what's beyond. Or like I would say Jesus was implying when he says you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Yeah? You're in this world, but you're not of it. You are of a different uh, essence. You are of a different nature. And so like in AA it says, hey, we've got to find the exact nature of our wrongs. And what I've been saying lately is, you know, we're wrong about our exact nature. <laughs> That's what's happened. That's the exact nature of my wrong, is I'm wrong about my exact nature. I've taken needed myself to be a mental idea, somehow affiliated with a physical object. <laughs> and it's causing a lot of misperception. Yeah? It's, it's skewed the camera. The camera's tilted. And so you're trying to take the world to fit the tilt instead of fitting it, you know, just changing the tilt. You know what I mean? The tilt is giving us a weird view, so we're trying to change and manipulate and control everything outside to sort of get it to fit without tilted camera. Instead of just questioning, hey, this is just one of many apertures. Yeah? Maybe let's question this aperture. Maybe this perspective frame isn't the only perspective frame. Maybe there's a possible to be able to think outside the box, because I know for me, I haven't done well inside the box. I really haven't. It hasn't worked for me. Yeah. So maybe there's a possibility to be outside the box. Well, the way you can do it is you can break its, sail, its, its fail-safe mechanism, which is self can't get out of self. So when there's that urge to get out of a system that isn't working, if you try to leave it as the system, it doesn't work. So the system is incredible, really. You know, it knows it's it's a failed system. So the host, ever whatever you want to call yourself, would probably be able and willing to leave. But when you try to leave, you try to leave as the product of the system. You're taking yourself to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So self can never get out of self. Yeah. So the predator has you by moving away from it. You don't even get it. You try to get out of self, and it has you. <laughs> it's a bummer, man. 
if you keep doing that. Because the hope will burn eternal that you're going to find a formula that finally works, and then you're going to be like 80 years old thinking, you know, that like that, you know, junior high school girl is going to be the one you marry. It's, you're over, bro. It's finished. You better stop <laughs> concerned about some other aspects of life. Yeah, I mean, put down the formulas. They're not working anymore. Question the whole format. Check it out. I think it's still going. So this invitation is just that. Hopefully it ignites a little sense of curiosity or an aha or maybe what the hell is this guy talking about? Any whatever it is. Whatever any action, reaction is a good reaction. You know, it's sort of like tickling the belly of the beast, yeah? When it does that little thing, dog to you're on to something. Just keep touching it. You'll see its jerk, knee-jerk reaction. You just keep going. Yeah. And then suddenly you'll get a sense of what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Instead of being this your whole life. You know what I mean? You know how you have your best Saturday? By not expecting much from it. How can you not expect much from a Saturday if you're empty, constantly looking for something to fill you up? You won't be able to. But if you're filled, then you can let Saturday off the hook. It's not meant to save you. You know what I mean? You can let your girlfriend off the hook. You can let a lot of things off the hook. Because they're not here to save you. They're not going to be the thing that puts me over the top. You know? That's, they're not my arrival moment. You know? This is like, that. if that's the case... There's going to be a failure, and usually you'll end up hating the savior that failed you. Whatever it is, money, girlfriends, teachers. Yeah, but that, they're great services to fail you, so that you're left with your own devices, you know? So that you finally find the answer in you. Because that's the only way you'll be reliable. Because the meeting won't be home with you certain times in the day. The book, you may forget it one day. And you may not have a book with you to read the quote of the day. Yeah? You may not be able to make your meditation class or your yoga mats missing or something or your yoga pants ripped or whatever. <laughs> Somehow something's going to throw the whole, throw a wrench in the works and you're going to be fucking in a tizzy. Yeah? That's not peace. this place doesn't work for me. When I would get what everyone told me I should want and then it would translate it into happy choice, I never did. When I, the perfect person came in my life, I had difficulty embracing them, you know. I was too convoluted up there in the head. I was the, it was like being crippled up here. And so, try to transcend it with drugs, gave it my best shot. That didn't work always ended up in worse places than where I started, usually in jail and shit. There's nothing like being on a 10-day run and then being in 850 grind. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus, but the rubber band of your brain just gets snapped so many times. There's no more elasticity in it. You know, just like, <coughs> that didn't work. Spirituality, I didn't do the greatest I could possibly do, but I did pretty good. Meditated a lot, went to a lot of retreats. 
But fundamentally, nothing really changed. It was a drug in its own way. And then I heard this, then I got recovery from a major dilemma, major mental illness, AA, recovery from alcoholism and addiction. And then in that space that that provided, I could entertain other possibilities. So I remember that meditation, massage, and stuff like that, Tai Chi at work, so I went back to there. And then the futility, the basic futility in all that practice was still there. And I heard this message, you know, it was about 11 years sober, 25 almost now. And then everything changed. You know. I heard it and it became the last answer. It was like the, it was the last little bit. I needed a way of life to, con- to contain my insanity here, which was recovered. But then I, there was more of an illuminating factor waiting to be entertained, which is you are the light. Yeah? You are illuminating whatever path you're on. So people will go to me, why do you keep going AA? You know why? Because AA is rich because I'm going there for me. Yeah? I'm aware of the meaning I'm in. And the awareness of that is fucking, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah? I go, I can go to more meetings now than I've had since I was first sober. I almost went to three yesterday. I went into my record for one day. Wow. I was just, why? Well, it's a great place to sit. Listen to the insanity of mine, so I don't, you know, <laughs> have any illusion that it would sound great to go there. I was talking to my friend today. You know, all it takes is one statement. It's like a, it's like the it's like a salesman knocking on the door, the mental door. What if? What if I would have done that last week? Everything would be different today, you know. Or I should have. That's another book. I should have. I should have done. You know, you're in hell as soon as you go there. As soon as you, if you have, don't have abstinence to that, as soon as you let that salesman in, you're going to be buying, car, you know, vacuum cleaners and you have hardware floors. You're going to be fucking busy. You never, it's like, and it's so easy to open, but the doorknob on the other side doesn't work. Once you're in, it's tough to get out. Yeah? I did it once when I was younger. I had this, I was with my girlfriend at the time. I hadn't seen her in a couple of days. And when I was taking a cab home with her, maybe I'll be for this. <laughs> taking a cab home with her. And I, I was just sitting there, and my mind started entertaining a possibility. I said, why don't you ask her where she was last night? And I had done things like this before, and I said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I said, no. And, and, this, and then it walked to the side door. I said, oh, come on. I'll come out on you for a little while, you know. Just ask her where, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. What, what's she doing? I said, no, I don't know about that. He went to the back door, knocked on the way. Yeah, come on. Just ask her. It's, it's innocent. Where were you? I'm interested in her life, you know. How's she doing? And then I did it. Three days later... <laughs> I was knocking on a door asking for the shoes I bought her back. <laughs> Our whole relationship was ruined. It just went on a fucking tear. You know, where were you last night? <laughs> this is what you'd like to have an immunity to. Yeah? Wouldn't you? You know those times where you see the foot getting ready to enter your mouth? You know what I mean? And you can just sort of pass. Just let it pass. You're 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 uh, intimately familiar with a pause, you know. So the pause isn't something that just 
it's just an unforeseen happenstance, you can entertain it. You can entertain that pause before you put your foot in your mouth. And you know how much stuff just, no much how much, uh, let's say, erupting, irritating qualities just go by with no effect to you? Because you're the biggest role player of it all. Like it says in physics, the biggest influence of any, every experiment is the observer of it. You are the biggest influence in your own life because you're the dreaming of it. Yeah. And you can dream a certain way when you when you entertain thoughts, and they start like a train of, of circumstances, and then you have, you're on it, and the emergency brake doesn't work, <laughs> and you're gonna have a it's just gonna go on and on, and you're not gonna end up in a good destination. Are you? But then you can understand the station. You can just be rooted in the station and then watch the trains come and go. Don't get on any of them. Yeah. The station has everything you were looking for for all those other trips. You've got it right where you are right now. Always available at all times with no requirement necessary. Just a simple recognition of the qualities of being conscious and aware right now. Being conscious and being aware of that consciousness. So, there you go. Any questions? I have a question, Paul. Um, about uh, <laughs> um, the awareness. Uh, that we, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to put that together. What's what's behind it? All don't go worry about it. Just, <laughs> just see, consciousness is arising. Yes, <laughs> there's something's happening. Yeah, you're seeing something. Or feeling something, tasting something, smelling something, sensing something, the apparatus, yes? And isn't there sort of, while that's going on, isn't there awareness that it's going on to someone, or that it's going on, yeah? To someone is the mental little addition to the interpretation. But it's seemingly going on, and there's an awareness of that, yeah? So the consciousness is, is it's like, the heat hits the corn and the popcorn's made, Yeah? That's going on constantly. Yet there's an awareness of that, isn't there? Now, do you believe you're something other than that awareness? That you are the body, or, or the brain is part of the body, that you're a body, or that you're like a mental idea called a soul? But in your own dog shit awareness experience, the only farthest way you can go is the seeing of of what's happening here, yeah? Not the seeing of the thing that's happening, but the seeing of that whole formula of see or unseen, yeah? You're seeing that. I don't see how you, you can go any farther than that. So there's a scene that's watching the see or unseen all day. Yeah? I would say I'm that. When if you take if you go by your experience, no study, no under, no reading, no idea of history, no idea of this or that and you take back in your own sense right now, as far as you can go, the only place you end up is the scene. And I don't see that ending. Yeah? Isn't there a feeling of seeing, and then consciousness arises, and there's an experience? Yeah? Consciousness arises, becomes aware of something that's arising. Yeah? They're the same one and the same. All there is is consciousness. Yeah? But there's the awareness of that. Yeah? 
why would we want to exclude ourselves from being that and take ourselves to be and the object through which, let's say, consciousness is manifesting through for this event, yeah? Why, or take it a little farther than that and take ourselves to be the brain of this or a mental idea or another mental idea called the soul when you actually can sense the context of the awareness. Why, is, why not go there? And then when you rest in that, see how it allows you to travel through all the conscious horizon. Yeah? You won't miss a damn part of the movie. <laughs> you really won't. Yet you won't be getting you won't be so engaged in the movie movie that when you get dirty it will seem like you're dirty. You know? When you're feeling bad, I feel bad. That won't that won't trigger. There won't be the identification as what's arising. There will be the seeing of it. It's a big difference to rest in the seeing than to be to rest in the identification in what's what's happening. So when I'm, when it's feeling bad, I'm feeling bad. Yes. When it's going great, it's going great for me. You know, all of that claiming. It's just a mental activity going on in the conscious contact. But there's the awareness of that. You know? More context. Now. I would say I must be that which is all there is, more than what is appearing in all there is. Let your mind entertain that, see where it goes. For me, the value applies here in manifestation. You can travel really heavy here. And so entertaining the possibility that you're not what's traveling here, it can provide that to travel a lot lighter. That's That's a bonanza. Yeah. It's a bonanza that every day in my life I travel lighter than previous days. Yeah? You said earlier, you said um, self is trying to get itself out of self. And that's, and we also talked about um, you can't get from, you know, you can't get from A to B without telling the truth about that you're at A. You have to be honest about where you're at. You know, So the self, you can't. But then you said something about how you get out of self, and I got lost there because I always thought how I got out of self is just to tell the truth that I'm in self. So, no, no. So that's the beginning out. of it. Okay. Yeah. So let's say, like, for an alcoholic, in this way, when the mind is in alcoholism, then there's uh, the best way is to finally admit that. So sure. you admit all these things you were trying hard not to be, sure. and then you take you you finally become say, okay, I am that and let it be thoroughly so, and then it reveals itself not to be. Okay. But usually a lot of people are trying to mentally deny what they're really afraid of being. Sure. Yeah. But if they really let themselves be exactly what they're afraid of being, sure. they realize they're not that. Okay. Yeah, that's the, to me that's how it works. It yeah, yeah. So it doesn't end when I just I tell the truth about who I am. I tell the truth about who I am, and it leads to, a, and I'm not that. But when I'm denying who I am, I'm more that than ever. Yeah? When you're denying what you think you are, then you're really thinking you're that. (laughs) Yeah? Isn't that the sense you have? Yeah. Some people might interpret that as, well, if I'm not an alcoholic, then I can drink. Whatever they do. But everyone's everyone's suffering from the... I don't like to use the word original, but they're all suffering from a disease of mind. The mind is addicted to self. The idea of being a self. It wants to be a noun. It doesn't want to accept the verbness of everything. 
that everything is just happening. It wants to be the one it's happening to. It has a huge drive to be a noun. And it can only appear to be a noun by claiming everything. Yeah? So it has to interpret everything so that the way things are interpreted, it implies that there's a someone there. So if you're listening to the interpretation, you're not seemingly aware of that, you will have a vague feeling constantly of being the one who's doing stuff and thinking stuff and feeling stuff. It will just seem so authentic because it's being produced at every moment of conscious contact. Yeah? Doesn't mean, it doesn't, like some, there's an old, like a, a Radiohead song that says, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true, I think, or doesn't mean it's there. It's exactly like that, you know, feelings aren't facts and stuff. And this feeling of being Paul isn't a fact, it's a feeling that's being produced. There are causes and conditions that are producing it, yeah? We're attempting to entertain, is there an unproduced state here? Is there an uncaused quote-unquote reality. Is there a possibility that there's something prior than everything else that's inherently conditioned by every other thing else? Yeah? Is that possibly so? So we don't question if that. We question, well, am I this? Yeah? Am I this thing that I'm taking myself to be? I found when I entertained I wasn't, a lot of relief ensued. <laughs> And that's all I was really looking for. I had given it a lot of names like enlightenment, and before that it was like like doing the best uh, speedball, you know, heroin, cocaine mix. Every little Milu had its idea of enlightenment. For me, Dilaudid was the greatest place. <laughs> Dilaudid number fours were like the greatest fucking drug. When we got them, it was like fuck. It was like you know we found the holy grail. So every Milu has what it thinks is the highest thing, you know. But basically what you're looking for is an ease and comfort. Because that's when that happened, that's everything pretty much stopped. I stopped seeking for a lot of shit because I finally found what I was looking for, which is feeling okay. Yeah. It wasn't like didn't have to have Nirvana on it and Satori and Enlightenment or you know a heavy dilated shot. It didn't have it have any names anymore. It was just, hey, I'm okay. You know. Oh, it's great. Uh, listen to people. I lost interest in enlightenment. I lost interest in tons of shit. Now I like jackets, synthetic down jackets, and Yankee, Yankee blog, and all my teams are losing. And, and uh, you know, I try to keep myself rooted here because if I start reading highfalutin conceptual spiritual treaties, they're like mental candy to me. I like that, but then you get a craving, you get a cavity, you get a sweet tooth for that, and it's not, that's not what's filling you up. Filling you up is the, the, the being freed from the need to know anymore, you know? You don't rely on the system to be your shopper anymore. Yeah. Not for that stuff. Not for happiness, joy, and freedom. They can shop around for other shit and get into its little activities, but not for the real deal stuff because it, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't know what it's looking for, yet it gives it a lot of names. <laughs> you know what I mean? It will not admit it doesn't know. Yeah. So, I found the greatest, you know, the, free, the need be free from the need to be liberated is a really nice gift to be freed from the need to be liberated. Because self is what needs to be liberated. It does. It's trying to be liberated from its own effects, which is impossible because it's the cause of those effects. (laughs) But when you get out of that idea of being a self, you you don't need to be liberated from self anymore. 
yeah. it loses all its interest, and therefore you, your interest is busily serving you today, enriching your life, instead of just being totally obsessed with what's not happening, what's going to happen, and what did happen. I was once feeling great, and I hope I will be, but what about now? Well, you know, yeah, so that's it. I think. Yeah, so that's it.